Hey there, listeners. JC Alfalto here. And uh, today's episode is going to be an interview. Uh, I know I haven't done an interview in a while here on The Writer's Lens, but I think you'll really enjoy this one. Dealing with a young emerging author in the Midwest that wrote a book about a topic that I think is a rather interesting one. So stick around here uh, for this interview that I have with Clay Myatt. in Northeast Ohio, and he also happens to be a new author. Uh, his book is called Echoes of the Gospel in Harry Potter. It's new, newly released here as of September 2021. And, uh, you know, I'll let Clay speak to this himself, uh, but the book is about delving into the underlying connections between the Harry Potter series and the biblical story. So it's a bit of a mouthful, a bit <laughs> a lot going on there. So Clay, why don't you introduce yourself before I, I, I speak too much about what you did? <laughs> yeah. So, um, like you said, I mean, I am a pastor in the area. I am from Cleveland, Ohio. So, uh, grew up here in Cleveland, grew up in the area. I attended college at Vanderbilt University in Nashville, Tennessee. And while I was there, I was uh, a part of a couple campus ministries and really enjoyed getting to lead Bible studies and so on. And doing ministry there and started to sense that I would do well in, in ministry and feeling called towards that. And so I did seminary at Trinity Evangelical Divinity School in Chicago. Mm-hmm. It was actually while there that I first read the Harry Potter series for the first time in 2017. Um, but since that time, I have served as an assistant pastor, or a past, assistant pastor in residence in Gainesville, Florida, and then again, just outside of Boston for a year, and then now back here in the Cleveland area, and excited about that. So yeah, that's a little little background on me. So you so so you said you read Harry Potter for the first time in 2017. 2017, that's correct. Yeah. So this was a pretty quick turnaround then, as far as hey, this was pretty inspiring. And yeah. Uh, I think I'll I think I'll write a book about it. So. <laughs> is that, yeah. Is, is, <laughs> Was that was that kind of the the genesis behind all of this? Because uh, yeah. you know, to me, I know that uh, you know for those who are listening, Clay and I did have the chance to speak a little bit before we actually did this interview, and and uh, you know, Clay was just sharing a bit with me about you know why Harry Potter is significant in terms of things you can find with the gospel in there. So, you know, what was it initially that was like, okay, I, maybe I need to write a book about this? Uh, <laughs> what was the yeah. So in the summer of 2017, I was driving to a yeah friend's bachelor party actually in Tennessee, but um, just decided to do the first audio book, listen to the first audio book and um, really, I mean, they're fun books, obviously they're enjoyable, they're, they're great, but I also found it to be very meaningful, to be very moving and, I, and they start lighter, but as the series goes on, they do become deeper, more profound and so on. And, and I started to see these connections to the biblical storyline in various ways. And by the end, it's very clear to me that these were very explicit on the, on the part of JK Rowling. There's even two Bible verses and book seven. So it's, and she, you know, learning that, oh, wow, she was, she was raised and I'm going to church and so on. So maybe even implicitly kind of drawing from these things, but I realized, I mean, 
when I, in 2017, when I was, when I was, when I read through the series, I had never heard anyone talk about these connections at all. Um, and I know people have, and some people have noticed some of these, many people I think are largely unaware of them. And I think given that I had not, I hadn't heard any, no friend had shared these things with me, no Christian, I never heard a, a, um, a pastor make an illustration in a sermon to these things, even though I had heard pastors make dozens of illustrations to other works of fiction, such as, you know, the Lord of the Rings or the Chronicles of Narnia and so on. So, but now not once, even though I thought even Harry Potter was more explicit in some of these overtones. And so Mm. that's when I said, you know what, I should, uh, I think a book needs to be written on this. And there have been some things maybe that are, you know, a chapter length treatment in, in other books. And there's been, a, there's been a few even book length treatments that are sort of coming, doing Harry, anal- literary analysis of Harry Potter and sort of coming at it. But I thought a kind of treatment of tracing how these two stories are interlocking and connecting needed to be written. And so two years later then is when I started on it. But, but yeah, that's kind of the origins of it. I, I, I just felt like these were clear and that a lot of people were unaware of them. So... Yeah. That's all. I mean, that's all really good. And it's, to me, it's really fascinating. Uh, you know, every great story, it seems pulls in some way from a lot of the transcendent ideas that you find in the biblical story. Yeah. Um, at least for those that might be a little more well-versed in it, even if you're not well-versed in it, they're in there. Uh, mm-hmm. But interestingly enough, you mentioned about how, you know, even prominent pastors reference in a lot of their sermons, uh, Lord of the Rings is very popular uh, mm-hmm. because of Tolkien Chronicles yep. of Narnia is very popular because of C.S. Lewis. Right. Uh, you know, those are pretty much staples. But you mentioned how, you know, Potter doesn't really get mentioned very often. And I recall when Harry Potter was first becoming very popular, there was a lot of pushback from the Christian community about these books being almost demonic in some sense. Would you agree with that? And, you know, is that also some of the reason why we may not hear that? I, yes. And I think, I think that's a big part of why there hasn't been as much, you know, more critical analysis of these books from a Christian perspective, because so many early on are pushing back. Uh, I mean, most prominently was the Pope. I mean, the Pope was called them a threat to Christianity and, and there were prominent evangelical Christians as well who were, who were saying things like that. And so, yeah, if you have this huge, I will say a loud minority of people saying this, then you're not, you don't have as many mm-hmm. um, Christians kind of doing, I think more of a, a reflection on them. And so, yeah, I, I think that probably played a big role in, um, mm-hmm. in, in lessening some of the yeah more critical reflection. Yeah. Well, it's really interesting because Lord of the Rings has wizards. So, right. so, <laughs> yeah. so I, yeah. and, and Narnia is filled with magical creatures and items right. and like that. Right. Uh, right. So it, it is interesting, but I do remember myself. I mean, I was, you know, back in my quote unquote younger years, yeah. uh, I remember Harry Potter being lambasted by a lot of people saying that it was, you know, the devil's work and it was a, a threat. Right. I remember things about the Pope you were saying. Yeah. So uh, I do remember those times when that was very popular to, sort of push against it. But in many ways, I think it made it popular. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You know, it's like, you know, people were sneaking it, you know, (laughs) 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 I think you're probably right. Yeah. Yeah, There was some, you know, Bishop somewhere, you know, you know, reading it in the, you know, the back of the cathedral. (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, so that's, you know, to, to, to me, that's really interesting. Uh, Mm -hmm. And just the title of your book also, I think is interesting how you say echoes of the gospel. Why Mm -hmm. the word echoes? Yeah. 
for that. I, I think that's kind of interesting that you, you, you choose that chose that specific word. So why, why yeah. that word? Um, I mean, the, um, I, the introduction to my book draws from J.R.R. Tolkien's essay on fairy stories. And mm-hmm. in that essay, he's, and he was a lit- outside of writing the Lord of the Rings. He was also a literary scholar at Oxford and was very, yeah, very well versed in all sorts of stories in, in English, you know, literature history. Um, but in that essay, he unpacks why we read fairy stories, or at least why he says we do. And he gives his, re- you know, he talks about recovery, escape, and consolation. These are his three categories. But eventually he gets to the end and he says that the greatest conceivable fairy story that we could we could come up with has indeed entered into history in the gospels or right? the gospels contain this greatest conceivable uh fairy tale and yeah that that it that it, it has entered into reality it has entered into history and that therefore the kind of the corollary to that would be that any fairy story any fairy tale any any story in general then mm-hmm. is going to have resonances or echoes of of this even of this great greatest of all stories or this greatest of all fairy tales so by calling it echoes it's kind of saying that there me using the language echoes of the gospel is saying that the god kind of drawing from tolkien the gospel is this greatest of of all fairy stories or fairy Mm -hmm. tales um, and so other stories then are going to in some way or not, in a lot of ways echo or have resonances with the gospel. And I think one of the claims that I make in the book then is that the reason the Harry Potter series has been so successful, indeed the best selling book series of all time, is that the resonances are so loud or so clear and the echoes are so are so apparent. And so it, because of all these, how closely it, it is resembling the gospel, I think that is resonating with a lot of people, even again, if they don't know it, which is kind of the, a little bit of a surprising part of this is that um, as explicit as some of these overtones are, and as my book kind of unpacks, uh, I think there are a number of people who are unaware of them. So that's kind of the paradox there, but that's kind of why I chose the word echoes. So yeah, I mean, that's really good. It's almost like you have the story and then you basically have ripples outside mm-hmm. of that. Yes, yes. You know, that, that really eke into everything else and, and kind of almost steal from it in some ways too. Or I, I wouldn't say maybe steal is a too strong of a word, but really kind of borrow and piggyback off of that, that storyline. So yep. there's a lot of uh, ideas and themes as far as biblically uh, speaking. You know, there are certain themes of self-sacrifice, uh, right, you know, the, obviously the, the superior ethic of love is very prevalent in the Bible. Uh, right. What are some that you just kind of kick off with immediately in the book, Echoes of the Gospel? Like, is there one theme initially that you're just like, hey, this will knock you, you know, knock you right upside the head as soon as you open up a Harry Potter book? Is there? <laughs> is <laughs> yeah, there- yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I, I'm, so my first chapter is called The Prophecy, and the I am drawing from actually the opening chapter of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, where you have all of these strange occurrences that are starting to, you know, these shooting star people are setting off shooting stars, all of these owls are appearing out of nowhere. We're, we're introduced to Harry Potter's, uh, uh, you know, relatives, his aunt and uncle and his cousin and so on. Uh, and all these strange events are happening. And then later, of course, in that chapter where we learned that the reason for that is that Voldemort was unable to, to kill this, um, this baby boy. And it's quite surprising. And even though he killed 
his pair, you know, Harry Potter's parents. And there's a lot of mystery here as Dumbledore is talking to Professor McGonagall there in the first chapter. But that has a lot of resonances really with the opening of the Gospels where you have, um, all, again, strange events start, angels starting to appear to, you know, the uh, a priest, a ba- you know, who's married to a barren woman and said, oh, you're going to have, you know, give birth to this son who's going to turn people kind of prepare the way for for god really and that's john the baptist and then you have this another, the same angels appearing to a virgin and um mary of course and and saying that she's going to give birth to this son who's actually going to be the king of, of israel and he's going to be the messiah and a similar idea of where you have this you know in the wizarding world the years and years of darkness of voldemort ruling and then all of a sudden there's kind of that break in the clouds and the sun begins to shine and that's kind of what's going on in the gospels as well that there were these hundreds of years of people being in exile and or they had returned in some form but are under roman oppression and now you have these strange events and now there's hope again and so really right off the bat i think and i think other people have will, will who know the beginning of the gospel stories will know that we'll kind of pick up on some of those resonances but right out of the gate and even I remember when I read that chapter for the first time, I'm like, wow, this is, there's some interesting kind of, uh, it reminded me of the beginning of the gospel story. And I'll, and I'll say one more thing along those lines, the, there's a real, there's a moment where Mr. Dursley, Harry's uncle is bumps into, um, a, you know, uh, a wizard who's dressed up in all these robes and stuff. And the wizard's like, Oh, don't, you know, I'm, you know, don't be sorry for bumping into me. Nothing could make me, uh, unhappy today Re- rejoice because you know Voldemort is gone at last and even muggles like yourself he says should be rejoicing on this day and the idea that this not only was uh, the defeat of Voldemort good news for those in the wizarding community it was good news for these muggles people on the outside and yeah, you see those yeah. resonances with the beginning of the gospels as well that these is this is not just good news for the people of israel yes jesus is the king of the of the jews and he's going to bring deliverance to these people but this is good news for for everyone it's good news for gentiles for people outside of the jewish faith and that's why you have these even gentile magi from coming from very far away coming Mm -hmm. to pay homage to king jesus because it means it means the whole world's going to change and so anyway even right out of the right out of the gate there you have some pretty strong resonances uh to their echoes to the gospel so yeah. and i'll tell you what for just that and just the sorcerer's stone i would not have picked up on all of that just my yeah, <laughs> yeah. maybe maybe somewhere in my subconscious i would have been rooting that out but i'm glad yeah that, yeah yeah i'm glad someone like yourself took the time to really kind of unpack that and say, okay, there's, there's a lot more going on here than perhaps you're, you're on, you're aware of. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So, no, that's really, that's really, really good. So does the, so does the, all the format of the book, I know, and I, you know, I, I, I saw a little bit as far as, you know, picking apart your book and the, you know, some of the samples that you sent over to me, but as far mm-hmm. as the layout of the book for anyone who's listening, who hasn't picked it up yet or is interested uh, how does the book flow? I mean, obviously this is a, you know, this is an analysis piece of sorts. You have these different right. essays where you're looking at different parts of the Harry Potter series. So does it, does it move from book one to seven as though it's chronological or do you kind of jump around and, you know, how does the general layout of your book go? Yeah. So it does break down into three parts. Uh, and those in some ways are, are more uh, thematic breakdowns. So part one is going to be the magical world. These are objects Mm -hmm. or um, concepts in the magical world. 
The middle part is going to be characters. That's eight chapters in the middle of tracing characters and how these characters are, again, uh, reflecting ideas or, or characters in the biblical story. Um, and then lastly, the last chapter is more broader themes. I call it the darkness and the light. And so these are where you have themes of, of, of death and suffering and, and things like that being, being talked about. Within each section, I did try to or, um, order the chapters so that there is a chronological flow to it. So the beginning of the first uh, section begins with with the prophecy, the chapter I was just talking about, and then it ends with the Deathly Hallows, which is the which is the seventh book, and which uh, which is an, a magical concept that isn't introduced even until the seventh book. Um, within the middle section, I begin with Harry, Ron, and Hermione, and and Lily and Dumbledore. Some of the early characters we meet, I finish more with Voldemort and Snape, who who we learn more who's um, who we don't really learn about their true allegiances and identities, I guess, like for Snape, for instance, until the very end. And then the same thing in the last, in the last part. So what was that? (laughs) Uh, Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. (laughs) That's right. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Um, So there's, um, yeah, each of those, each of those three sections kind of goes chronologically within, within it. So, yeah. That's really good. Yeah. I mean, you probably, I mean, the Harry Potter story is kind of like a coming of age tale. Yeah. Uh, in many ways is because you're, you're following Harry from his first year at, you know, Hogwarts until the very end of it when I think he's like 17 or 18. Right. Right. You know, mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of this coming of age and it, I, it's also interesting, you know, to me just thinking out loud how the chronology of the biblical story is almost like a coming of age in many ways for Israel. You know, they kind of go, they go back and forth with, with doing what they're supposed to be doing and they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. It's like they're growing, yeah. learning. And then finally Jesus shows up and says, you know what? I, I, I got to do this for everybody now almost, you know, you got to stop playing around with just here. We're going to, we're going to graft everybody in, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, yeah. It's the climax. Jesus is the coming as the climax of the story. Um, and a lot in a lot of ways the the book series is building towards this moment where yeah harry is taking on you know fine i mean book seven has definitely the clearest echoes where he's going to take on this christ-like role of a, of a sacrificial death a resurrection and so on um so yeah there's definitely a trajectory within it and i think that's honestly one of the things that is really cool about the series is that it does mm-hmm. start lighter when mm-hmm. he's 11 12 13 you know and then by the time he's seven i mean the the, the themes get get darker as it goes on and anyway yeah I, I think that's a powerful part of the story for sure yeah yeah i just i remember seeing prisoner of azkaban in theaters and i didn't watch the first two movies in theaters or anything and I saw the prisoner of Azkaban. I don't know if you can relate to this clay. You're a little bit younger than me, but I remember watching that film. I hadn't even read the books yet. And I was just getting into Harry Potter at the time. And I went, this is now becoming more adult. Like it's definitely getting darker. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are yep. some things happening yep. to the characters that are a lot more uh, insidious almost as they're getting older, mm-hmm. they're being exposed a little bit yep. more. Yep. Uh, so, uh, so just even that is, is interesting. Um, uh, just kind of the ways mm-hmm. of the world and how it tries to twist us up and, and, and take us from, yep. you know, tr- you know, basically living out our true purpose in life. Uh, yep. Yep. what are, what would be some things you would want for someone to take away from reading your book? 
whether they're, you know, let's say they're a Christian of 50 years or they're a brand spanking new believer, or not even a believer, maybe, you know, this could be obviously a book for anyone who's curious or who could be like right. an atheist, agnostic, or doesn't even identify as anything. What would, yep, be, yep. What would be a takeaway? I think for somebody who's, um, who already is a Christian, I, I think, well, one, I, I hope they, they walk away with a deeper appreciation of the Harry Potter story, certainly, and seeing some of these things that perhaps they didn't see. But I think one of the beauties of a story like Harry Potter and reading it as a Christian is that it can help us see the beauty of the mm. biblical storyline from different angles and to remind us how wonderful it is that this story has has happened and has come true. And uh, I think, so I would love for people had just have a deeper appreciation of the biblical story. I think for people who are, who are not Christians, I hope again, that they're going to appreciate the Harry Potter story from a different angle because of this and kind of see some of these, what some of these things that JK Rowling is drawing from, but also my hope would be that as they see, these parts of the Harry Potter story laid out that they really love and that they would consider the Christian claim that actually um, this, this story that the Harry Potter series is echoing, the Christian claim is that this has happened and has happened in history and that, um, that they would consider that and to see, you know, to think about whether that might be true and to, yeah, take the steps to do that. And lastly, I will say the final thing I hope um, people take away would be or, or kind of how they walk away from it feeling would be, I, I hope they are encouraged by it if they are in a season of suffering uh, or of hurting of any kind. And that's really, so part of the, another part of the reason why I wrote the book was I was, I've dealt with health issues for the last five plus years now. And I was, when I first read the story in 2017, I was at the front end of dealing with those things. And I was very moved by many of the ways that the Harry Potter story um, portrays suffering, pain, evil, and so on. And I found it very refreshing. I found it very countercultural. And I found it very much in line with the way the Bible teaches on these mm-hmm. things. And so part of it, that was part of it as well. And those kinds of things get woven in throughout my book. And so I do hope people... Uh, who are hurting, suffering, will will find it to be hopeful because I think the Harry Potter series is a very hopeful um, book series, and I obviously then I believe that the the gospel um, gives us a true, full, and indomitable hope, and um, that they would see the those connections. So that that's another thing. Yeah, yeah, uh, those are all really great, Clay. And I mean, uh, as far as people seeing the good out of the story of the Harry Potter series, I think you know sometimes I. I I feel like a lot of folks get this in their head where it's like, I can only receive something good if it's, if it has Jesus on the, on the sleeve <laughs> or something like that, you know, it's impossible yeah. to receive something good unless it, it explicitly is saying, you know, Jesus on it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, to, so to hear some of those things I think is really important and mm-hmm. just the whole idea of, uh, you know, going through a, a difficult time or suffering, mm-hmm. um, Mm-hmm. I mean, Harry, I mean, I think by the fourth or fifth book, I'm just kind of wondering if this kid's going to need counseling for the rest <laughs> of his life. Because <laughs> I, I, think, I think by the time he's like 15, he's had about, uh, you know, two dozen attempts on his life. And I, <laughs> one, one can only wonder what that would do to a yeah. young person yeah. uh, who's, who's going through all those things. But, but hey, yeah. uh, it, it definitely is is written well and, it, and, it, and it yes. engaging and as you have said brings forth a lot of these thematical elements that bring mm-hmm. us to the to the mm-hmm. hope that there's something better that's coming on the horizon 
Yes. Yes. So, so transitioning from that, as far as being hopeful uh, and trying to get your book published, I mean, this is something I always ask authors that yeah, 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 and talk to me. So you got the book published naturally. You've got it published. It's it's coming out. What right. was that like? I mean, you're you're a new author, man, and you were probably like, hey, I got this book idea. I'm writing it. And uh, what do I do with this thing? I, uh, how do I go finding somebody that's actually going to publish this? Or are they even going to like it? I mean, what was going through your head, I guess, is my, my big question. Yeah, because so I was brand new. Obviously, this is, you know, I'm a brand new author. So I was brand new to this world. I didn't know anything about it. I, I ended up, uh, when, so when I first wrote it, I, I basically was writing it without, under, without knowing exactly what that process would look like, the publishing process. And I knew, I, I mean, I enjoyed doing it. I knew I wanted to do it regardless of how, what ended up happening. But eventually then realizing, yeah, what kind of steps do I need to take? I was very uh, blessed to have a couple two or three people who had a lot of insight into the publishing world had published or had worked for publishers. Um, and they were able to speak into that process a little bit for me and helped me craft a book proposal and, uh, even edited that book proposal, you know, and, um, even in the end, a couple people were, uh, told me that, the, the publisher that ended up publishing it, Whippenstock, they said, this would be a great publisher for you because they, this is, you know, the, this type of thing that you're doing, they do things like this or would be interested in things like this faith and culture and so on and would, would find this a very interesting idea. And so it's funny, this was the, um, one of the, you know, this is one of the first publishers I submitted to and was very, you know, grateful that they accepted. And now in the meantime, there were others that I had submitted to and there, it, it takes time, obviously. Um, but I know, I think my road, when I talk to other people who've, um, you know, try to get things published. I think mine was a little bit smoother sailing. I know some people really, it's a real challenge. Even some of the greatest, you know, we'll talk JK Rowling herself, I think was denied by 12 publishers before Harry Potter, the first Harry Potter series was published. And so I know it's a very hard journey for many to, to get, a, to get a book published, even if it's a, yeah, an amazing, you know, amazing book. And so, um, I, I was, you know, there were definitely challenges in there that I faced, but I do think I had some, I was just very grateful to have some, a few people who had been in that world who could speak into it and kind of directed me. And so, yeah, very grateful for those folks. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I, I always like to reiterate that whenever um, I'm interviewing an author or anyone that, you know, this, I've, I've, I've had people or talk to people like, especially after I wrote my first book, People mm -hmm. really get this in their heads. They're like, well, Josh wrote a book, so I can write a book, you know, and, and that's fine. I mean, that's totally mm -hmm. cool. I, I'm more than, more than would want to encourage somebody. But then the idea is that, well, I'm just going to crank it out in 48 hours and then I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to go, you know, I'm going to go find some publisher and, and they're going to love me. And yeah. that's just not how it works. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's not yeah. like you record a song and by happenstance, you know, the, the leader of some prominent studio comes by and listens to your voice. And now all of a sudden you're on every billboard in America. Yeah. This, this is just not how, it's just not how it goes in the written world. Yeah. Uh, so, so it is, it is quite a process. Now you mentioned about editing and having other people around you that can yes. you know, help you, you know, get off the ground and things like that. Another thing about, getting published is marketing and mm. you know, getting your, your book out there. Yep. Um, what is it that has been brought to your attention? Like, Hey, these are some things you should think about. I mean, obviously yep. coming on this podcast was, was right. the best push you could have made. 
because of <laughs> me. But if, <laughs> but, but outside of that, outside of that, what are some what are some tips or things that you know some people have told you about? You know, yeah, word out. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, they some of the advice I got was definitely to you know utilize uh, my network, and I think that's a I think that's an important point that. A lot of people, I think our, I think our networks are a lot larger than we probably realize. And we think through all the different experiences we've had and people we've gotten to know. And so really, um, you know, starting off with those first readers and then the, you know, even as some, you know, some advice is how do you get those first, how do you get your second readers to hear about it from your first readers? Basically, how does it kind of get out there? And so, um, you know, communicating with those people is really important, but also, but there's, there's certainly other ways that I am in the work and, you know, trying to, to, um, yeah, to promote, to market. And some of those are, um, book reviewers, you know, people who have, who have platforms that they do book reviews, obviously. Yes. Like, like a podcast like this, you know, and, um, or pe- people who would do an interview of, of an author kind of thing. Um, actually, you know, one of the things I've tried to look into and have explored is a number of, um, uh, a number of colleges and universities teach classes on Harry Potter, literary analysis of Harry Potter, and a number of them Christian schools, many of them not. And um, so I've, I've reached out to a number of those to see if they would consider, you know, if for, for a class, say, on Harry Potter and Christianity, perhaps being mm-hmm. a, a type of, you know, being doing work, the, the work of literary analysis might be something they would consider. So that's another one. Um, Let's see. Are there others that come to mind here? Uh, oh, but even, you know, um, yeah, kind of along the same lines of thinking about networking, but, um, you know, different schools I've attended and the, and the networks there. And, um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's an inch, you know, it's kind of, I feel like it's this thing where you kind of throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and you kind of see what sticks <laughs> and what, uh, cause you, cause as you know, you write something and you, you really value it and you want people to read it. So you do, you, you, you know, you want to, you do what you can to try to get it out there. And for me, it's, and maybe you've, you experienced this as well, but it's kind of the dual tension of, I don't really love self-promotion. It's not exact. I don't get, but at the same time, I want people to read the book. And so I'm going to do things that are going to be kind of self-promoting, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I resonate with all that clay. I mean, everything you're going through are things that, you know, I've experienced or, you know, other authors I brought on here before have, have said similar things. And that's what, to me, again, is important for anyone listening that is interested in doing that sort of thing that Mm -hmm. these are some of the hurdles you're going to have to overcome. Uh, I think a lot of writers especially think that, uh, look, I'm just going to write and that's it. You know, I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to yeah. worry about promotion. I'm not going to worry about any of those things. Yeah. Someone will take care of that for me. And in essence, eventually someday you could get to that point. But, yeah. uh, but as far as doing that right out of the gate, I find that to be very unrealistic. I mean, you got yeah. to do some of the legwork and find an agent or find a publisher yeah. who's, gonna, who's not going to, you know, take you for all your worth or take advantage of you. Cause they're, they're out there. I mean, there's yep, yep, yep. plenty of lawsuits out there with self publishers who are trying to take people's money and run. So, yeah. yeah. So you, you definitely, you definitely got to vet them all out. Yes. But yeah, I think that that mindset of, wow, you know, there's actually a business side of this too, that I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't even consider it, uh, which yes. I is, Yes. which I think goes against the whole artsy thought process of, hey, 
I've got a lot of really nice things to say and some good things to say, but they should just be able to go out there and then I don't, I don't have to worry about it anymore. Right, right. Yeah, it's, it's not really that realistic. Right, um, right. So, so anyway, so you, you went through this process, you got, you know, you got some peer reviews, you got some other people that are, have been reading it. And I, you know, I've mm-hmm. read many of the comments about it, uh, mm-hmm. about your book and all very much positive at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, for you going forward, I mean, what, what is the, I guess the plan for you as far as this book is concerned, as you, you know, kind of head forward with this, I mean, it's a brand new release. It's very exciting. Yeah. There's a lot of energy around book. Yeah. time. I know how that can feel. Yep. 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 But what is your, what's your thought process on, you know, three months from now, six months from now? I mean, what are some, you know, what are some thoughts that have, or you haven't even thought about it yet, I guess. Yeah. Well, I do want to do a book launch. And so that would be um, sometime in the next, you know, well, next next month and a half. So sometime, sometime in November, I think, and mm-hmm. um, do a um, uh, basically kind of kind of a talk on the book for sharing, sharing on some of the major ideas, major themes and so on. And just being a place where people where, yeah, can share more in a um, share more about what the book's about instead of just obviously little blurbs here and there and so people can come here about that and and then i foresee kind of doing things i would love to do things like that uh more things like that locally to um particularly for at um uh at various churches perhaps or or perhaps especially if you think about the demographic the likely demographic of my book being people who are in their 20s and 30s so the kind of college young adult age range of some of of churches would probably be a sweet spot for me so that's something i consider doing as well Uh, or i am and i'm gonna gonna pursue um yeah as far as um you know the timeline of that it's kind of you know again i feel like i'm throwing stuff at the wall and we'll see what sticks and hopefully other, you know, certain things I do will lead to other things and which will lead to other things. And cause yeah, I, I obviously want to get this, get the book out there as best I can, but, um, I guess we'll see what that looks like. And so I have some ideas, but I guess not, not a very clear timeline, except to say that these are the types of things I want to do and explore. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. I, I think it's a good answer. I think it's a, yeah. a smart answer. Uh, because again, you know, having this mindset of, well, you know, we'll see how it goes in a month or two. And, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and we'll just kind of sit back and maybe God will just take care of it for me. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. You know, there, there, there is a part of this where you kind of have to, you know, you know, pull your own, pull your own, so to speak. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. So I think it's a, I think it's a great trajectory that you're on clay as far as, mm-hmm. as far as just thinking about it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I guess, looking ahead and I've, I've asked you a lot of the, the technical questions about this and as far mm-hmm. as the book goes and whatnot, um, is there anything else that you would want to cover as far as just this interview that you would want people to know about your book or, uh, you know, anything in general, maybe even if it's about yourself, uh, that might draw somebody in to you know, want to check this out and, and see how, uh, the gospel story is, is echoing within, you know, all seven of the Harry Potter stories. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that is a great question. Um, I think I'll say one thing that I, I think uh, I, I heard from uh, I, her name was Holly Ordway. She wrote a book on kind of the apologetics and Christian imagination. But for the um, one one thing that she said in her book was that 
you will um, you have to want something basically to be true before you will will consider whether it is true or not. And I suppose that's not always exactly true, but I think in a lot of ways there's a lot of truth to that. So perhaps for the person who is um, not a Christian and um, and would want to um, uh, and, and who would read the read the book, that would be one of my hopes is that somebody would would read this and walk away saying well, I would want this sort of a story to be true. And then that they would actually go on and consider going beyond that and to consider uh, whether that's true or not. So I think that would be one. And anyway, one thing I've been reflecting on recently about the book that might encourage uh, some people to get it or, or to read it, or perhaps some people to, to buy it and give it to, to other people that they know. Um, I suppose maybe, I mean, some of the more practical things is that um, if somebody wants to buy it, they can they can buy it on, it's on, available on Amazon as well as from the publisher Whippenstock's website would be the two places that, that, they, that they can go for that. So those would be a couple other things. All right. Awesome. Awesome, man. Well, I mean, I wish you the best of luck as a, you know, from one author to another. I think, yeah. uh, I think you've started off on a really good foot here to basically tackle one of the most, well, it is the best-selling, I think, fiction book series yeah, yeah. book series mm-hmm. that there has ever been so mm-hmm. uh tackling that is no small feat oh i did actually want to ask you one thing uh yeah. this is this is now part of the bonus content of this interview <laughs> what did you have to do i mean was there any kind of legal issue with you referencing oh, <laughs> harry potter uh, in your book i mean i think some people <coughs> excuse me kind of get a little bit like leery on that they're like oh you can't just write a book with a massive trademark or franchise like Harry Potter and it's all willy nilly, whatever you want to do, you could you could find yourself in hot water. So was there a legal part of talking about Harry Potter, referencing it, quoting it, that you had to get past in order to actually write the book? So I, these were quite, yeah, these are all sorts of things I had to look into and reached out to, um, um, JK Rowling's, uh, uh, legal entity that represents her. But basically the, the, the copyright law allows for something called fair use and fair use allows you to quote, you know, to a certain amount of a book within reason, basically to do analysis or criticism or whatever it may be. And so writers are protected by that. Um, so that allows you to quote things as long as you properly cite and so on. And so, and publishers generally have their own um, ranges for what's considered fair use. And for a book, a pretty standard one is 300 words per book. So in my case, you know, it's seven books. That's 2,100 words that I could use 300 from each book um, for my, for my publishers kind of, um, boundaries. But I, interestingly, when I first wrote the book, the first draft had quite a bit more than that and more around five or 6,000. And so I had to do a lot of work of, um, trimming, summarizing, paraphrasing, and try to get it down to be what would be considered fair use. And I think ultimately at the end of the day, it probably helped to make it more concise and to make it, um, flow a little bit better. Not as, not as many bulk quotes. And so honestly, I was, I think it ended up making the the book better than it was before. And that's some of the feedback I got from people who read, read it before and after. Mm-hmm. And then I, the other thing that was, you know, can you use Harry Potter in the title was something that came up as well. And again, I think the, the law would the copy when it comes to copyright law, basically you can use a copyrighted title like Harry mm-hmm. Potter, for instance, if you are using it to, um, 
to um, basically say what you're writing about or to state your subject. And so in that case, it would be within fair use. Um, so those are the, anyway, I learned a lot about copyright law when I, when I wrote this, but yeah. Um, <laughs> Again, it's something that you wouldn't consider because you just want to write a book, you know, it's just, like, yeah. oh, I'm just going to write yeah. this book and nobody's right. going to care, you know, except for yes. this, you know, multi-billion dollar franchise. That <laughs> Wait yeah. a second. Who's this guy from Northeast Ohio trying to write about us? So, <laughs> and they were, I will say, they were very encouraging and were very, yeah, anyway, they were very, they were positive about it, which, yeah, anyway, which was good to hear. So, that's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, man, I look forward to your, your official book launch party and everything else that you'll be doing. And I'm sure we'll be hearing more from you in the future. And perhaps I, you know, I, I told a few listeners actually about this interview prior to coming out. And the predominant question was, is he going to do a series about Star Wars next? <laughs> <laughs> that, was the, that was the question that came up. Oh my gosh, that's funny. Yeah, echoes of the gospel in Star Wars. In Star Wars, oh my goodness. You could do a whole series on this. Could, I don't. I, yeah, I, sure. You could just, I could keep rolling, couldn't I? <laughs> I could keep rolling with it from there, man. So you heard it here first, folks, on the writer's lens, this uh <laughs> budding series of books so um, hey you'll have to reach out to well it's not lucas anymore it's disney you have to reach out to disney right. to, to see, to see if uh, you can actually do that so anyway, well thanks again for being on the writer's lines it's been a pleasure clay so i thanks uh, so much for having me josh this was great really appreciated it uh, awesome man echoes of the gospel in harry potter by clay myatt check it out uh and what's the name of the publisher one more time sir whip and stock w-i-p-f and stock and or on amazon awesome all right thanks again Clay.